morning, everyone. So um, before I start, I would like to um, to open with a joke that I heard a few uh, a few weeks ago. So a couple uh, decide to invite the pastor to eat for dinner. That's for you, Kelly. Is this a real story? It is. No, it isn't. It's just a joke. And so the the dinner the dinner goes on. And by the end of the dinner, the pastor goes home, and the wife realizes that the pastor stole a spoon, a silver spoon, from the table. So she's, like, very angry that the, her own pastor would do that to her. And so for about one year, she's really aggravated about this situation and very hurt that her own pastor would do that. And so after one year, she invites him back at home, and during the dinner, she can't contain herself and and starts asking him, you know, last year when you came, I think you stole a spoon. And he says, no, actually I didn't. I put it in your Bible. So, morality, we ought to read our Bible as much as possible because we never know what treasure we could find in it. So, as Kelly said, um, I've been invited to share about um, the office of an evangelist. Um, but actually what God really put on my heart is to share more to you about what God has called us to do in evangelism and what God has put on my heart to equip other people. And so we'll start by the passage that we've been re reading for the past uh, three weeks. So, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as we're called to one hope when you were called. One love, one faith, and one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does ascendant mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descends is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I love the, this passage because it not only talks about um, what we're called to, but how, how Jesus poured himself in our lives, how he poured himself in our hearts and made us all different, all with different callings, but for, to attain unity among us. And unity is not just being the same, being similar to each other. Unity is actually made when everyone who is different 
is able to work with one another, see each other's gifts and acknowledge their gifts and enjoy them. And this is true unity in God. And I believe that the apostolic and prophetic office is the foundation on which we should build and invest this inheritance that we receive from God. And everything out of that should flow in our church, in our homes, and outside in the world. And today I've been asked to talk about evangelism, and so I looked into what this word meant. And so evangelism comes from evangelio, that means the good news. So we tend to mostly look into the good news through the lens of uh, the four Gospels from Mark, Luke, John, and Matthew. But when we read the, the Bible as a whole, we realize that the good news has been preached ever since creation, ever since Genesis. In the whole Old Testament, we have stories of the glory to come, stories of... Um, of what Christ would do for us and what we would obtain in Christ. And so I'd like to share a story about, about this today, which you can find in uh, 2 Kings chapter 7. And so to give you a small backstory uh, of this, Jerusalem was under siege for a few months and uh, horrible things were taking place inside of Jerusalem because of hunger. They had no way to uh, harvest. They didn't have any more food. They even went on to cannibalism inside of Jerusalem. So that's how bad it had become. And so outside, by the gates, you can find in this story, now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say, we'll go into the city, the famine is there, and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die too. So let's go over to the camp of the, of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. So at dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. And when they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and great army, so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittites and Egyptians kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp. It was as it was, and ran from the lives. Then the men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and entered one of the tents and ate and drank. Then they took the silver, gold, and cloth and went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent and took some things from it and hid them also. Then they said to each other, what we are doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we are keeping it from our, for ourselves. 
If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. And this is Old Testament evangelism. This is a symbol of the glory to come. And sometimes we even may relate to this story, may feel like outcasts in the world because, um, because we're too different from the, from the world. Or we can even feel outcast in our own family or in our own church if God has put a certain calling on our hearts to, um, to stir up society and to change it. And this call is burning. Even all around us, we can feel like outcasts even amongst our own people. But unless we respond to this call, unless we respond to this burning desire, we'll be like these lepers that realize, even though they weren't even allow, allowed to get close to anyone, they had this burning desire in their heart to share this good news to other people. They realized how much um, the town was in desperate need of this good news, was a desperate need for food. Just the basic need. They were in desperate need for that. And the lepers just came back and shared that to them and shared their hearts to them. And so I believe that this, the gospel is food for the hungry. But we also see in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 that for though we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not the weapons of the world. Instead, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We tear down arguments and every presumption to set them against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And when I look in the world, when I see how desperate the world is to hear truth. You can just look around through media, politics, even in the religious sphere, any religion, you see a desperate need to find this truth. And we can see that the whole world is influenced by a certain way of thinking. You can see that issues like abortion Identity or sexual confusion or racism come from this confusion even in, br in the, br the most brilliant minds of our time. For the simplest reason that they are not thinking for themselves. They can be the most intelligent, educated, respected people in their own field, whether they're doctors, politicians, uh, philosoph uh, philosophical people and they would be brilliant but on certain topics you could just think that they're completely out of their mind and they do not think for themselves on certain topic and I believe that 
it is because there are forces at work to dictate how our culture is called to to think, how our culture is is thought to live. And unless we share this truth, unless we share the good news all around us, people will still continue just believing these lies, living this way. We cannot judge them by the way they live if they're not thinking for themselves. But if we give them this opportunity to think in another way, if we give them this opportunity to just have a choice, a 50-50% choice between the bad thought and the good thought, at least they can start thinking for themselves and start using their free will. Because right now when we see the world, they're so happy to be using the free will, but they don't even know what choice they're making because they don't have a choice, because they're just influenced by the culture around us. And unless we're able to share this good news, we won't be able to see a change in this. We can see in uh, Isaiah 61, and this passage is most famous through uh, the preaching of Jesus in Nazareth um, in the synagogue, where he says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim, to proclaim freedom to the captive and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness and planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the place long de devastated. They will renew the ruined cities and that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flock. Foreigners will work in your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. And you would feed on the wealth of nations. And in the riches you will boast. When I read this, I not only see what Jesus has done for me, what Jesus has promised, what Isaiah had promised that Jesus would do, but the second part of this passage is really about what we obtain in him, what we are called to do once we have received this inheritance. And Nevertheless, whether we're in full-time paid ministry like Kelly, like myself, or we're working a secular job, as soon as we start following Jesus, we are in full-time ministry. Because our spirit has been raised from the dead. So everything we do, whether it's secular or religious, it is spiritual. 
because we do not work only physically and with our minds, but everything we do is quickened through the Spirit of the Lord that lives in our spirits. So I believe there's no such thing as people that are in full-time ministry and then people that are just called for secular job. Because whatever we do, we are in full-time ministries. And we're all called to be workers, whether it's in business, whether it's on the marketplace, whether it's in missions, in full-time missions, or as a pastor, we are all, all workers. Some are called to lead different areas of influences, like we can see in this text that we've been studying for the past three weeks. Some people are called to be apostles, some people are called to be prophets, evangelists, and so on. But it is essentially to equip the saints for works of service, as we can read in this passage. It is for all of us to work together in order to see a world change, in order to work with the apostle to, um, to shape culture. So I believe that we're all called to be cult to change this culture around us, whether it's our family, our neighborhoods, our nation, depending in what area of uh, calling God has placed on your life. I believe we're all called to prophesy, as Kelly had shared last week, that sometimes you can have words of knowledge for someone or words of encouragement, and you think it's just a word to encourage them that comes from you, but sometimes it speaks deep into the heart, and you know that it didn't really come from you. You know that it was God placing it in your mind to encourage that person, to empower that person. I believe we're all called to share the gospel. If, if my mom hadn't shared the gospel with me in, my, in our own family, if she hadn't shared it to in the entire family, None of us would be here right now. If, if I don't step out and share to my neighbor, how is he supposed to know about Christ? Nowadays, we see more than 70% of the youth that do not believe in any religion. More than 60% of the youth say they don't even pray. So there is a crisis all around us of people that do not know about God, do not hear any more about God. And we are called to shape this culture by sharing our heart, by sharing what God placed in this heart. We're all called to be teachers. We're all called to pastor at a certain level. Just taking someone under your wing is pastoring someone and leading him into becoming a follower of Christ. This is also pastoring. Some people like Kelly are called to be a full-time pastor and leading a big congregation like this. But I believe that we are all called to be living these gifts that are empowered into us through people like Kelly, through people like myself that spend our time just sharing what God placed on our hearts. I believe that we're also called to be a royal priesthood, as we can read in the Bible. But what, what does this mean? What is really being a priest if it's not just being a priest unto God, 
by what we did this morning, for example, by worship and praise and just sharing our adoration to, to Christ. It's also being a priest among the saints with each other, encouraging each other by the communion with one another and empowering each other. This is our priesthood with the saints. But there is also a priesthood among the world. And this is evangelism. And through all eternity, we will be able to uh, be priests among God by our worship and praise all the time. We'll be together through eternity and we will be encouraging and sharing this communion with each other for eternity. But there is this urgency to be a priest among the world and to be sharing our heart among the world. I'm not saying that we should forget about um, worshipping God our shame community like this, like we do on Sundays. But there's not the same urgency into it. And if we go out and really feel this burden, feel what God has placed in us to just share this love that we have received from God, I believe that we can shape this culture, that we can change our environment, change people around us and bring them life. Because right now, when I look around the world, I see that the world is dying. The world is going for its destruction and does not know even that it's going straight forward into a wall. And there's one passage that I love in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, where it says that there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so, when I go out, even through, through my day, or I share the gospel on the streets, I still have this fear. I still... I'm not sure whether how that person is going to react, if he's going to punch me in the face or laugh at me or whatever. So I still live with this fear. And I was wondering, asking myself, so if I live with Christ, if I have received his perfect love, how come do I still fear? Why is it that I still live with this fear, this anxiety of, uh, of life, Am I going to have enough food to eat? Where am I going to live? What am I going to do with my life? All these things were so caught up into it. And then I realized that actually, in this passage, it hasn't been really properly translated. Because if you look at the word perfect, in Greek, it is the word tolio that means brought into completion. And so it's not just receiving the perfect love from God, but actually having this love brought into completion that will cast out this fear. And so in our Christian life, we're called to be living both ways. Receiving this love from above, vertically, but also 
sharing this love horizontally around us. And that's why I love the image of the cross, because it also reminds us of this, that we receive from God. But unless we share around us, this river of living water, this name that we give to the Holy Spirit, that quickens us, that pours out of us, if we do not share around us, it just becomes still water. And this gift of love that we receive daily from God would just be wasted. And so, unless we share this love around us, we'll still feel this anxiety. We still feel that we're not doing something with our life because this is what we are all called to, sharing with one another but with the world the love that Christ has placed in us. But also there's the other side. And I've experienced it personally in ministry um, that sometimes you're so caught up in sharing with people, so caught up in working for God that you actually forget to receive from God and you pour yourself out and that's where you actually experience a burnout. And I don't believe in, uh, in burnout because you do too much. I believe in burnout because you do not receive enough and you give too much without having it. And so I believe that a lot of our anxiety in life also can be resolved by spending more time with God, spending more time in His presence, alone or in worship together, and receiving so we can then share and not just be pouring ourselves out. For some people that are people pleaser like me, we tend to pour ourselves out and then be worn off and then just be disgusted by serving people around because we haven't received enough from God, haven't spent enough time with Him. And I believe that this is the way that we can live in this perfect love without fear, by experiencing daily, early in the morning as you get up, spending time, even if it's just five minutes because you have young kids, just spending these five minutes spending time with God. When you go to bed after a long day, as you go, as you go to bed, spending time with Him to just refill yourself with His presence, with your love. And this is how, the more we spend time with God, the more we won't be left without doing anything, without sharing what the world longs for. And we'll be like, like these lepers that actually realize, wait, what we're doing is not good. We're taking it for ourselves. And we're being selfish when people are dying and eating each other in the city. We could actually save them. And I believe if we live with this burden and we ask God daily for this burden on our hearts, even if it's just one person, your coworker, your friend or a family member, just ask God, is there one person that I could bless today with this love that I've received from you? with this changed life that I've received from you. I used to personally be a drug addict and hate everyone, destroy everyone and destroy myself included. And since God radically changed my life, because I was so messed up, now I cannot go out and just pass by someone that was messed up like me and that 
longs for this message of hope. And we all have a testimony, whether we grew up in church or we were far away from God and God just took us out of this ditch. We all have a testimony that can change lives. We all have this love in us that God took us out of our ditch, saved us, gave us hope, gave us a purpose in life. And this is what the world longs for. And this is what will shape culture. And this is what we're called to. And we will never feel complete unless we live this life. And so I was, I was called here to just share about what an evangelist is. But I hope for everyone here today that you realize that unless you start sharing your heart all around you, you cannot know if you're called to be an evangelist or an apostle or a prophet or whatever unless you put the small gift that has been put in your life at work and then trust God that he's going to grow it and show you then what you've been called to. Show you then what is this gift. I, wasn't, I didn't know that, was, that I was an evangelist until other people around me told me actually what you're doing is the work of an evangelist. So I guess I am now. But it was just by obedience. Just by having this burden in my heart and being obedient to God, then sometimes I miss it. Sometimes God tells to me, okay, share to that person in the metro. I look at him and I'm like, no way. No, not possible. And, and then this burden continues burning in me until I do it. And if I don't do it, I still feel this burden for this person. But I encourage you, whatever God puts on your heart, do it. Pray about it. Ask other people what they think about it. Bring people around you that are further off than you to actually pour into them and receive also from them. And this, I believe, is what we're all called to. So I'd like to finish in praying for all of us. And I believe that, that many of you are called to more than you expect for your life. And I'm not talking about quitting your job. And I'm not talking about having a radical change in your life and changing country. But even in your own job, even in your own family, I believe that we're all called to make a bigger difference, me included, if we spend more time with God and if, we, and if we're more obedient in what He places on our hearts. So Lord, I thank you so much. Even though we were sinners, you took us out of this ditch that you gave your life for us. And what greater love there is than to give your life for your friends. And Lord, you call us your friends because we know your will. And I pray that daily we would seek your face. We would seek your will. And that our daily life would be shaped 
with your will be made in us and through us that we all will shape culture and bring hope to the world I pray Lord that there would be no more fear in our hearts because we would be made perfect in you pray Lord that you would give us this hunger for you spend more time in your word to spend more time in your presence so we may be transformed so we may be changed and then change the world with your presence within us Lord thank you Lord for your blessings thank you Lord that you are so patient with us we want to give you all the glory through our lives. We want to surrender our lives to you and worship, worship you, Lord. Not just with word, not with, just with nice songs, but through all of our actions, even the most simplest actions through the day. We want it to be a worship on, upon you, Lord. Yes, Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is Kelly, lead pastor of the Bridge International Church. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from the Bridge. If you'd like more information about the Bridge, or if you'd like to get in touch with us, visit us at thebridgeparis.com. 